This is the Jocko Underground Podcast number two with Echo Charles and me, Jocko Willink. And if you haven't caught wind of this yet, we have a little underground movement going. You can join the movement by going to jockounderground.com. Some additional information that we're putting out. The reason we're putting it out in this format, in this protected format, is that the right word? Sure. Is because there's some censorship censorship happening in the world right now from a bunch of different angles, social media, traditional media, podcast platforms, video platforms, and we've been good for the most part. We've had some brushes, brushes yeah. I guess we could say, but we just... Uh, have to be cautious and make sure that we have a contingency plan in case things go real sideways. So that's what we're doing. That's what this is. That's what this is about. So if you want to if you, if you want to hang out and listen to what we're talking about on this podcast, you can go to jockounderground.com, follow the instructions, subscribe. You have to pay for it. The the regular Jocko podcast is free. It's going to remain free as long as the the world allows it to remain free. It will remain free. This one, in order to kind of protect that one, uh, there's a you got to pay for this one. It's eight dollars and eighteen cents a month. Let us know if you think you can figure out why the number is eight dollars and eighteen cents a month. Let us know. Then you will be rewarded. I don't know what the reward is, but rewards will be created and implemented. It, and and listen, if you can't afford it, we still want you to be in the game. If you can't afford $8.18 a month, that's fine. Email assistance at jockounderground.com and we will take care of you for free so that we can all remain free. And with that, our last one was, was about cognitive biases and we're continuing down the path of talking about cognitive biases. We got some more to cover. Let's start off with, oh yeah, and these, these cognitive biases that we're going over, they come from a website, which is thevisualcapitalist.com, giving credit where credit is due. It's pretty simple and straightforward. Um, one of these cognitive biases is called the Forer effect, or also known as the Barnum effect. And it says, we easily attribute our personalities to vague statements, even if they can apply to a wide range of people. And this is the whole horoscope thing. Whenever people ask me, I always tell them some random thing. And they go, oh, you! I knew you were a scorpion. <laughs> I knew you were a whatever. Libra. Whatever. And then they're, they're, they get all excited. They get all excited. And what I'll actually, I'll go too deep. I'll go, I'll say, um, they'll, I'll say, I'm, oh, I'm Scorpio. And they go, oh, I knew it. Mm-hmm. I knew it. And then I go, I'm just kidding. I'm not a Scorpio. They go, what? <laughs> and I go, no, I'm Capricorn. And they go, oh, oh, I get it. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, Capricorn would do yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, did. exactly. <laughs> so I don't buy into that thing. Have you ever bought into No. Never? No. Even when, bro, my dad is heavy. Heavy Dang. into it. I don't know if he believe, like believes it or if that's just a recreational thing, which can can be the case. You know, but he'll he's the kind. Oh, he'll first thing out well, of his mouth. Let me ask you this: What if you were a a bad person and you were running that? 
Running what? Running the whole thing. <laughs> if you were if you were writing those things up in the newspaper, oh, it yeah. said, this is going to be a terrible month for you. <laughs> Threats on all sides. <laughs> you are doomed, right? Yeah. People are like, ah. yep. Because people kind of, it's a little bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy, I think, is what people hope for. Yeah. Right? This is going to be the best month. Financial rewards. Yeah. Right? Yeah, in a way, right? I mean, there is function when you think, when you put it that way, a mm-hmm. self-fulfilling prophecy, because that's a thing, right? Mm-hmm. Placebo, yeah. like, these are all, like, essentially self-fulfilling prophecies in mm-hmm. that way, good or bad. So if you're like, hey, you know what? And I'll pull this on my kids a lot. Be like, hey, you know what's good about you? It's like, you're, like, strong. Like, mm-hmm. you don't give up easy. That, oh, that's yeah, such a, yeah, and they'll yeah. be like, oh, you know, and they'll, mm-hmm. same deal. So, yeah, the horoscope, it can be the same thing. And they're usually, like, how oh, this thing says, vague. You know, mm-hmm. but at least it makes you feel good. Better than Check. making you feel bad, I guess. Yeah, I'm not into them. Yeah, that's weird. I don't. I don't think I ever was into. You know, my dad will. He'll like. Hey, you're. Oh, you're on the cusp. Like you tell him your birthday. He'll be like, Oh, you know, holiday, whatever. He won't ask for it. But like, if you offer up when your birthday is. That's the first thing out of his it's mouth. Coming. Oh, Capricorn oh, on the cusp. Oh, the, you know, like when you're kind of <laughs> I'm like, bruh. All right. But yeah, you ever seen those experiments they do? Like you can watch videos about them no. where they're like sociological or psycho, whatever. And they'll, um, <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> you see what I'm Jack. saying? No, no. They'll get a group of people Jack. and they'll, and they'll be like, um, they'll give them one of the horoscopes. Right. Yeah. And they'll give them all the same one. Uh-huh. And then they'll say, hey, okay, raise your hand if your horoscope applied to you. Right. Or or if you think Reflection you got or your horoscope or yeah. something like that. I forget the exact name, but it's essentially that. And everyone raises their hand or most people mm-hmm. raise their hand. And they kind of, they have different rounds and different methods and, of doing it. And they do it. And it essentially proves or shows strong evidence, we'll say, that, yeah, it applies to everyone. All you got to do is be like, read it and yeah, it applies to me because your brain finds ways mm-hmm. for it to apply to you. Oh, you're um, you're not easy to to. You have a hard shell, but once you get in there, you have a big heart, like that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, where it's kind of like no one's really gonna. That's the most generic thing ever. Yeah, and it kind of applies to everyone if you just think about it in one way or another, because you can just kind of morph your real self around that. It's kind of like yeah, that's true. I have a lot of friends, but, you know, they don't know the real me. You know, like that kind of stuff. <laughs> oh, there's Echo Charles reading his horoscope. <laughs> keeping it real. Uh, the Dunning-Kruger effect. The less you know, the more confident you are. The more you know, the less confident you are. Francis confidently assures the group that there is no kelp in ice cream. They do not work in the dairy industry. Interesting. Uh, the, my best example, there's this really good Marine who was like kind of a legendary Marine and he started training jujitsu and he, he had this realization. Like he was real confident before he started training jujitsu. Then once he started training jujitsu, he was kind of th- thinking, yeah, I'm not as badass as I thought I was. Yeah. That's the same with everything. Yeah. It seems like, yeah, it seems like that one you can understand it when you just think about it for a second. Cause you know how like, and jujitsu, how you say it's like that's a good example because before you get in there and really understand it, oh, yeah. 
you just have this idea of like, yeah, I can, I can imagine. Yeah, I know. Well, I, well, I would never let you pull my arm over there. I would yeah. just stop that from happening. Yep. It's like, nah, not so easy. Yeah. It's like you don't know what you don't know kind of mm-hmm. thing versus when you're when you are competent, like super competent, you know how much you know, but you know how much there is to know and you don't know anything kind of an attitude. Yeah. And that's one one thing that's nice about, you know, in jujitsu. I would say jujitsu probably taught me this. I may have had some inkling of it. But man, then you realize it's the same with everything. Man, I don't know nothing about nothing. Like you start looking at any sort of sort of world, yeah. right? And you go, I don't actually know anything about that. You think you do, but then you if you do jujitsu, you go, oh, I did, I thought I knew about that. I didn't know anything. Yeah. So therefore, I don't know anything about other worlds. Have you other subjects? Yeah. Have you um. Can you remember a time that this applied to you and you came to that real realization? I mean, jujitsu is the most obvious one. Yeah. Yeah, jujitsu is. Boxing is like that too. Boxing is like way. that. Oh, Muay Thai. Yeah. The first time I sparred a legit Muay Thai guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? Because I was like, oh, you know, Muay Thai, striking is kind of linear. Yeah, it's kind of linear. Yeah, you know, it's just, you're, you're either kicking or you're punching. It's pretty. Yeah. yeah. I can throw. A, I, I th- this guy Mike was Mike Rigner. He's a badass, like real Muay Thai guy, and I would start to throw a kick, and he would either just kick me before I could kick him, yeah. or he would just be just waiting to check it. And I, yeah. you know, I was thinking, mm. <laughs> uh, basically in in boxing and in in Muay Thai, the same way a white belt gets destroyed. In jiu-jitsu, it's the same way. I, if you don't know how to box, you're getting destroyed. Yeah. There is a little bit of a, you know, look, we have a puncher's chance and right. all that stuff. So there is some level of primal fighting that a human can naturally do that will be more effective yeah. than the primal fight. The primal fighting that you do in jiu-jitsu is counter. It's yeah. wrong. Yeah. It's the wrong, you're doing the wrong thing. In boxing and Muay Thai, at least it's in the same zone. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Anchoring. We rely heavily on the first piece of information introduced when making decisions. Yeah. First impression. Yeah, and and I talk about this one a lot from the from the fact of what you learn. The first way you learn something is the what becomes the de facto proper way you anchor to that subject. I always talk about guys in their first seal platoon. Mm Whatever, however you learn something in your first seal platoon, that's what you think is right if you're not careful. Mm. If you're careful, you go, oh, you know what? My platoon chief maybe wasn't right about everything. Yeah. If you're not careful, you're like, there's a way you do it. Yeah. Same thing with jujitsu, same thing with anything. You gotta be careful of that one. Gotta be suspect. Yeah. Automation bias. We rely on automated systems, sometimes trusting too much in the automated correction of Actually correct decisions. Your phone autocorrects its to its with an apostrophe and you assume it's right. Okay. This is the old, um, you know, following your GPS off the freaking dock. <laughs> Google effect, aka digital amnesia. We tend to forget information that's easily looked up in search engines. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. The- I mean, then again, I don't. I have, don't know what a bias, te- cognitive bias. I mean, does that? It just feels like that's like, oh, 
that's kind of we're stretching. Yeah, because that's like a new because thing. that's not where you first learned as a cognitive bias. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, but I mean, as far as like, yeah, I'm probably wrong, but it seems like okay now Google is now part of our cognitive bias. Wait, what, yeah, what's and the it's other weird thing. I don't, I don't. What I don't understand is I don't understand what the. Oh, you know what? Maybe this is getting into some of the memory biases. So now anything that you can look up. Because remember on the on the last episode I was talking about how there's memory biases the the way you remember things you have biases yeah so maybe this is one of those where hey people used to have to remember things and now it's just hey man I don't even care I'm not even gonna lo- I'm not gonna waste any space on my hard drive uh, yeah it is a bias technically right especially if you think about it in terms of when like a bias is just basically an efficient way of of mm-hmm. thinking they can yeah. create all kinds of errors yeah. because of the exceptions but yeah because that's what Google do you know my phone number. Kind of. If I saw it written yeah, down, yeah, I'd yeah. be like, that's yeah. phone I number. have no idea. I don't even know one digit of your phone number, which is kind of crazy. Yeah. I don't even, you, yeah, I don't have one digit. Yeah. So that's, now why is that? It's because I don't have to dial your phone number anymore. Yeah, you don't have Never to. Never have remember. had to. You know what your your number is in my phone? Is Echo Jiu-Jitsu. <laughs> it's still that way. Because like when I met you, I was like, oh, Echo, how do I know this guy? Because yeah. if I didn't know who you were, I'd just put Jiu-Jitsu so I could have some recognition. Do you know my real last name? Right now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. But in, in, I, I th- it might have been you. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe not. But the I've always thought of it like Google and your smartphone and all this stuff that stores information. Now you can look it up. Calculator, same thing. You don't have to like rem- you know, remember your times tables necessarily, even though that's kind of a thing. But the um, where you have a smartphone, where you don't need to remember every little thing you just look it up right mm-hmm. all that is is an extension of your brain essentially like you're outsourcing okay, your brain okay elon <laughs> what is that what he said yeah oh yeah well something along those lines yeah but we we've kind of always been doing that we outsource parts of our body yeah. all the time just for you know to yeah. be able to do more A with shovel it, you know freaking shovel freaking um glasses binoculars mm. freaking uh I don't know what would emphasize your taste, but I guess salt and pepper, maybe. That's kind of an extension, right? You add some salt and pepper, you can taste. It feels like, anyway, you can taste it better. I think you're stretching, but maybe it's I possible. get what you're saying. Yeah, so now we did our brain with the whole smartphone thing. Mm-hmm. It's weird. It's kind the of pro weird. feed. Um, reactants. We do the opposite of what we're told, especially when we perceive threats to personal freedoms. One of Alice's students refuses to do his homework, even though both she and his parents tell him to. Reactants. This is something that I definitely have. Mm-hmm. You know, when somebody tells me to do something, it, yeah. it if they don't do it in a nice way, or like they don't <laughs> do it in an appropriate way, or they don't yeah. do it in a, if they do it as like a direct order, I'm mm-hmm. resistance to it. I'm, re, I'm reactance to it. Yeah, It bothers me. Like someone's bossing you around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like, I mean, just think of that term right there. Bossing me around. Yeah. We don't like that. No. That's the that's the cognitive bias that we don't like it. Yeah. And so, as a leader, you want to be very aware of this one. Yeah. Because you want to be aware of the fact that if I bark at you to tell you to do something, I'm going to get less. There's less of a chance of you doing it and doing a good job and not giving me reactance. Mm. Does this make me? Does this mean I'm a bad person? No, like I'll, believe me, I'm, I'll get the work done. 
but you will get so like you get so much more out of me if you give me the ownership and you give me you know you give that stuff to me. That's what I always do. Yeah. Tell me if you think this is that. So the other night, my wife, my lovely wife, mm-hmm. very clever. Who's about to go on report? Apparently, no. This is good. Good. She did some. So I have a seven-year-old daughter, mm-hmm. right? So seven-year-old, you know, arguably that's a good age to start straight up cleaning the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Not the kitchens. That's a vast job. Various levels. You know, <laughs> worth thinking straight up the whole deal, top to bottom. Mm-hmm. Seven years old. Okay, let's do it. We've been telling her, implying to her, like, hey, you know, we're going to start doing this. And just like you said, resistance. But so my wife thought maybe it's because it's coming from her dorky parents. Mm-hmm. You know, that whole thing, right? Where Jocko or freaking Rambo or whoever can tell you to do something. But I've been telling you to do this stuff for mm-hmm. years. And, you know, so she's kind of played off that. So what she does is she gets a YouTube video about kids cleaning the kitchen. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, there's YouTube videos on that, apparently. So, you know, my daughter, she likes YouTube from time to time. So she ch- she shows it to her, the video. And this is just hopefully she can gain some understanding of how to do it and, you know, that kids do this or whatever. So we give her the video. It's like 11 minutes long. We leave or go to the next room, go continue living our life, whatever. Let her watch it in private. We're thinking, okay, she's going to get her cousin who's 14 now and they'll both sort of understand and know what to do bro like 11 minutes later we hear clinking and clanking around mm-hmm. like somebody's cleaning the kitchen right now and she freaking all by herself seven years old look yeah. she's she's seven yeah, but there, there were some spots it looked super clean mm-hmm. but you start opening the cupboard you're like mm, you know that's a seven-year-old job for sure, mm-hmm. Under, but it looked Marginal. really good. <laughs> but the point is, she cleaned the whole kitchen by herself, fired up to do it. Mm-hmm. Like, smile on her face, like, look what I did, fired up yep. to do it. We've been telling this freaking little girl to clean something for years already. Yep. She watches one YouTube video. Yep. she's She's got a cognitive bias towards being told what to do. Yeah. But when she sees something that inspires her and it becomes hers... She's all over it. She's cleaning that kitchen. Yeah. It's crazy. It's a great lesson. Reevaluate my whole approach, I think. Yeah, you're sure. <laughs> confirmation bias. One we hear about all the time. We tend to find and remember information that confirms our perceptions. You can confirm a conspiracy theory based on scant evidence while ignoring it. Contrary evidence. Yeah. I mean, this is the entire world right now. I was going to put on social media the other day. I was going to, I was going on Twitter specifically, but I was just going to put, Hey, everyone just shut up <laughs> because and obviously I wasn't talking to everybody, but there's a massive number of people that are on there. Just, they're just arguing when just, it's just so ridiculous. And they think every tweet, yep is the most impactful tweet that has ever been tweeted. They think that this is the one. This is the one that's gonna change the world. (laughs) It's like, hey, I got a good idea. Go do some burpees. Because this is getting you nowhere. Nowhere. But the, 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 the whole thing, this is the problem right now with the internet is you can confirm anything. You can find you can find something that tells you a mask doesn't work for COVID. You can find something that says it does work. And right now there's someone Googling right now to forward to me the fact that it does work or doesn't work. Yeah. Whew, yeah. 
Yeah, that's kind of the dangerous part, right? Especially the confirmation. Like, we seek confirmation by seek it out. Mm. The internet, the, the, the cesspool of confirmation. By what diet? You can find one that says you should have a plant-based, and you can literally find one that says you should only eat meat. Yep, literally. You can get science by science. Yeah. Yep. Backfire effect. Disproving evidence sometimes has the unwarranted effect of confirming our beliefs. The evidence that disproves your conspiracy theory was probably faked by the government. (laughs) Check. Exactly. You see, exactly. Third person effect. We believe that others are more affected by mass media consumption than we ourselves are. You've clearly been brainwashed by the media, is the example. Mm -hmm. Wow, these things are all super evident in today's environment. I was reading somebody's, uh, some Twitter the other day, and I was like, man, what are, you can see clearly that whatever, wherever this person's getting their information, it's completely one-sided. Because for you to walk out and make statements, you know, bold, just, 100% 100% on board statements. There's no other way. <laughs> yeah. there's, there's, there's zero things that we know about, right? There's zero things that I can go, or there's very few, let me rephrase that. Mm-hmm. There's very few things in the world that we can say with 100% certainty that they're true. And as soon as you take into some, if, it's, if we're talking about some kind of current event situation, there's almost no way that you can possibly say that it's 100% true. Yeah. If you are paying attention. Yeah. And it's weird too, because the social media, the social media feeds you what you want. The social media is based on confirmation bias. Yeah. If you go look at someone's phone that's a far right wing person, everything is confirming right wing ideology. If you go look at someone's phone that's far left wing, everything that comes up on theirs is far left wing ideology. Yeah. It's funny. It's a, Every once in a while, like, I'll grab my wife's phone. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'll grab it, but I'll see it or whatever. And, you know, whatever feed mm-hmm. is up there. And it's crazy how different mm-hmm. everything is mm-hmm. and not f- from everything. Obviously, mm-hmm. she has different connection, friends, whatever, yeah. um, of course. So that's different. But just, like, everything that comes up, it's it's like... It's, it's so foreign. It's, it's confirmation bias, man. It's those things are based on confirmation bias. Because let's face it, if you see an article that that's not in support of your view, you don't click it. So they don't mm. feed it to you. They feed you the yeah. one that confirms what you believe. Oh yeah. That's why I got I got all kinds of wild things on my feed. <laughs> I got everything. Mm. Not I shouldn't say everything because I don't have a lot, but I have a po- totally opposing viewpoints. Yeah. So I get to see them both. Yeah. Do you? Because you're. You follow like politics and stuff. That's an interesting word, but what? I, yes, politics I do. Or follow. Well, follow is a strong word okay. because that means you're you're talking about there's an act of following. Yeah, on, yeah, like that's your jam. No, no, no. There's an act of literally pressing the follow button right on oh, social yeah. media, yeah. and I don't follow yeah. a lot of politics actually. I but I have when I search, like I have the common ones that I search. And they pop up and it's far left, far right. Just trying to figure out where people are at, how crazy they are. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Actually, that paints kind of kind of a, a better picture then. Because, you know, 
okay, so if you're scrolling through whatever, you see some report, some article, political in nature, are you clicking on it? Possibly. Yeah, like that's one of the things. Yeah. Well, put it this way. If there if there's like some origami thing on how to make a, your sw- yes, swan no, better, you're probably not clicking on that one. Yeah, yeah. So the... The political, you know, and there's a bunch of stuff that you just won't click on, mm. and then there's stuff that you will click on. I'm hard to bait, yeah, with the clickbait. Yes, so and that was that's kind of if you like once you realize that a lot of this is clickbait stuff and mm. really doesn't give you any real information, you know, especially the the clickbaity ones mm-hmm. like the news, the regular news does this where it's like, how is your cell phone killing you, <laughs> or is your cell phone killing you? You're like, oh my gosh. Sounds like it is in some way, so I gotta I gotta tune in at eleven or whatever. Um, I'm just you, all desensitized to clickbait now. Yes. So once you get desensitized and you stop clicking on it, you'll watch them just disappear from your feed. Uh, that's the weird, that's the interesting part because the little they know the yeah, bots know the bots. Yeah, they know. They're like ah, th- we are no longer effective with this mm-hmm. to get this person's attention or whatever. And the confirmation bias thing that is like a big draw it's super attractive you know like where it's like oh this article is going to confirm exactly what i've been thinking Mm -hmm. my whole life or whatever or however long you've been thinking it oh i'm (laughs) clicking on that i got some more ammo if anyone comes at me with that other stuff see what i'm saying belief bias we judge an argument's strength not by how strongly it supports the conclusion but how plausible the but how plausible the conclusion is in our own minds. Example, Sally mentions her supporting theory about your conspiracy theory, which you adopt wholeheartedly, despite the fact that she has very little evidence of it. Again, this is just social media freaking echo chamber. Availability cascade, that's stepping up one. Tied to our need for social acceptance, collective beliefs gain more plausibility through public repetition. A story about razor blades, example, a story about razor blades appearing in candy eventually led to many people no longer offering homemade treats on Halloween in America. Hmm. Availability cascade. That's when you just keep saying something over and over again and over again. Yeah, and everyone picks up on it. The Nazi propaganda. Tell the same lie over and over again enough times and it becomes the truth. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Declineism. We tend to romanticize the past and view the future negatively, believing that society slash institutions are by and large in decline. Example, in my day, kids had more respect. Yeah, that's something that everyone does, or I think well, I shouldn't say everyone does, but that's something that people tend to do. And I think part of that is when we would be on deployment, you know, on on, on deployment with a SEAL platoon. And this is my whole career, not just when I was a guy in charge, but my whole career. You know, there's drama that's going on, and there's bad things that happen. By bad things, I mean you know whatever. Someone gets in a fight with someone else, or someone complain. Just like all those negative things. Mm-hmm. And I remember actually, so I had experienced this a bunch of times, and I remember on deployment with Leif, and you know, there was like whatever, arguments about this, and complaining about that, or whatever. 
And I go, hey man, when everyone gets home, like in three months, no one's gonna remember any of that. It'll be all good. And mm-hmm. it's totally true. People will mm-hmm. remember like just the fairy, t- there's the good stuff. I didn't say fairy tale, but just like you just remember the good stuff, yeah. right? And so it seems like what's happening now yeah. is negative. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you've heard that, well, you know, when I went through buds, yeah. when I went through SEAL training, we had a cat. Yeah. The, you know, uh, one that I think about, well, I don't even know if this is even it, but actually I think it is. Well, like kids, right? Where everyone has to wear a helmet now and they mm-hmm. ride bikes. Yep. Um, like all this stuff. Like kids are really protected now. So mm-hmm. like, oh, kids are soft mm-hmm. nowadays. You know, so yeah, kids yeah. are soft nowadays compared to back in the day. We yeah. Right. Unsupervised and you come home when the sun goes down or when street lights come on, that's when you had to come home yeah. and all this stuff, right? <laughs> yeah. And then when you look at like the deaths of kids and all this stuff, like back then or the injuries and like all this stuff when you compare them today, like being a safe kid and not getting your head cracked when you get hit by a car or whatever, you know, all that stuff, mm-hmm. that's all good stuff, you know? But we only remember how you say you kind of romanticize the past. It's like yeah. there was a certain freedom to that, to be able to just go outside with your brother and come home whenever. Yeah. Like that part of it is good. But putting your kids in danger, like the way that technically you were, that's bad. Well, so, there's also survivor bias in there, right? Survivor bias. Yeah. guess what? The little Johnny <laughs> that got hit by a car yep. and killed, he's not talking about how cool it was that he didn't wear a helmet yeah exactly right so it all kind of plays in there to the romanticizing the good parts and forgetting about the bad parts you know and Mm -hmm. then being oh it was way better back in those days well yeah in certain ways probably yeah in a lot of ways probably but right now it's technically you want to go numbers it's better for these very specific reasons that i would i would bet are more important to you than those back then Declinism. Next one. Status quo bias. We tend to prefer things stay the same. Changes from the baseline are considered to be a loss. Yeah. I see this all the time in the business world. We don't, we don't want to change the way we're doing it. You see it in teams all the time too. Don't want to change. Don't don't want to change. Don't want to change. Change is hard. And here's what here's where it becomes hard, and here's the reality of the situation. Just about every time you make a change, you're gonna start off with a decline in efficiency. So I always tell leaders you have to set the expectation. I have to say, hey Echo, we're gonna be doing a new methodology for for these projects. Here's the new methodology. And by the way, the first time you do it, or maybe even the first three or four times you do it, it's gonna take more time initially. But once you get proficient at it, we're going to be more efficient overall as a team. This happens in jujitsu. Hey, Echo, you got to start, you know, using your using your feet more in your open guard to make hooks. Well, at first, this it doesn't help you because you're not good at it. And so every time you try and use your feet to make hooks with the open guard, I just smash them and I pass yeah. until eventually you get the hang of it, and eventually it does. It is beneficial. Yeah. But our bias is not change. Yeah. Does that feed into the whole idea of the comfort zone? Like, what yes. is it? No growth in the comfort yes, zone, right? It does. It's kind of the same thing. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, I remember it took you, even though it seems obvious when you explain it, but it took you said that to me. I was like, hey, your efficiency is going to go down when you make a change. Mm-hmm. for the, But, you know, after it goes down, it's going to go way back up and up even further. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I didn't. It's almost like I forgot that, you know. 
But yeah, that's an important thing to remember. There's no growth in the comfort zone. It's like, um, that's one of those things that's like way easier said than done, especially when you're not pushed, you know? For sure. I was thinking about that today. When you, let's say you're getting chased by a rhinoceros, right? Yeah. You're going to run as fast as you can. Yes, I will. Faster than normal. Yes, faster than normal. And that's good. Mm -hmm. Think if there's nothing that ever pushes you to run faster. You're not going to reach your potential. Yeah, probably not. So I find myself even like recording this podcast today. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, you know, it'd be kind of nice not to have to record tomorrow. Then guess what? I won't. Do? I won't even prep it. I won't be ready. So I had to put. I had to put a little rhinoceros behind me. Yeah, yeah. Yes, the ability to put a rhinoceros behind you is a good thing. Yeah, like on your own though. Because yeah. again, like just like you said, man, it's like when when someone if a rhinoceros happens to be there chasing you, oh, bro, you're gonna. Of course, mm-hmm. you're gonna run faster than you normally do, but <laughs> maybe you might run as fast as you possibly, possibly can. Possibly can, yeah, yeah, exactly right, man. But w- what if you just were just good at putting the rhinoceros? You gotta put the rhinoceros. It's a rare thing. You got to, you got to, and and that's what I was thinking about today. I was like, well, anyway, it's actually yesterday I was thinking about it. I was like, well, you know, there's no real rhinoceros chasing me, and I don't have to prep a podcast today. Unless I tell Echo recording tomorrow. And by the way, not recording tomorrow at noon or in the evening, but like, hey, we'll be here at nine o'clock, which means we're gonna work out and we're gonna show up and we're gonna do what we need to do. Yeah. The rhinoceros got out of the cage, started coming <laughs> after me. <laughs> you know, that's weird, because look, when you think about it, back to the social media thing, that mm-hmm. can work in a good way now, and you see this every once in a while, where, you know, like, um, you can have like a, if you announce one of your goals mm-hmm. publicly and publicly is one thing, but like you go on social media, that's like really because it reaches way more people. You know? mm-hmm. So when you do that, in a sense, you do put a rhinoceros behind yep. you. That's a good in way a to small do it. way. So it's like, yeah, you're accountable for what you said to everyone. And then if it's like if someone asks you, oh, yeah, what's up with that goal or the whatever thing that you said you were going to do? It's like you got to explain essentially, you mm-hmm. know, to However many people that, that saw that, it's like, man, it's kind of whack, you know? So you gotta kind of do it. Otherwise you get stabbed by the rhino. Ostrich, yeah, fully <laughs> trampled. Next one, another pretty common one, sunk cost fallacy, AKA escalation of commitment, which I actually haven't heard that term before. Mm-hmm. We invest more in things that have cost us something rather than altering our investments even if we face negative outcomes. We all, we all know that one. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you, when I, when, when I was doing book deals for myself, you know, with negotiating, mm-hmm. and I talked to Tim Ferriss, who had, at that point, you know, published a bunch of books, and he said, get money. He said, even though it might seem like there's more money on the back end if you take a low upfront advance. Mm-hmm. He goes, you still wanna take a good advance because you want them to be invested. Mm-hmm. You want them to have the sunk cost. Right, right. And I was like, mm, makes sense, huh. that's a good call. But people, but where people screw themselves with this one is they won't admit to themselves. Again, it's a little ego scenario, right? Yeah. It's not just sunk cost, it's also yeah. ego. No, I know my plan is gonna work. Yeah. They don't necessarily have to get to say, well, we've already put this much money. They can just say, my plan's going to work. Yeah. And they ride it into the dirt. The, let me ask you this. 
it's a hypothetical scenario. Mm-hmm. Maybe not. Uh, okay, so what if you bought a, let's say your wife bought a package of cookies. Mm-hmm. Kind of for everybody, whatever, mm-hmm. for you, for everybody, for the kids, too. You know cookies are not healthy or whatever. Mm-hmm. And let's say she put them away. Maybe they got into them just a little bit. There's like two-thirds of the of the cookie thing left mm-hmm. full of cookies. And you just threw them away. Oh, because they're, cause they're bad for you? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, obviously I'm in support of throwing those cookies That's away. viable right <laughs> yeah, there? Yeah, you yeah. Should, what if they're expensive cookies? Yeah. I mean, it depends. On That's the a situation. weird one, right? Because I've, I've, quite as kept, I've done that before. Mm-hmm. Um, more with like Did candy. quite as kept? Quite as kept, you know, like. We don't talk about it okay. kind of thing. I Got think it. that's what it means. Okay. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sure, someone will let us know. Uh, so, um, well, yeah, I'll do that. You know, gummy where I'll find like mm-hmm. treats or whatever. I'll throw them away. Sure, they cost money or whatever, but it's like, okay, there's kind of, that's like a double sunk cost theory, mm-hmm. right? Like, oh, well, we're going to keep going with this thing, even mm-hmm. though it's not like it's it's jamming us up more than anything, you know? But at the same time, Actually, it's maybe not a two-pronged thing. Then it's just straight-up sunk cost. It's just sunk cost, man. It feels a little bit different because the classic example of sunk cost is the movie. You pay your money for the movie ticket. You go in the movie halfway through. The movie's like junk. Mm-hmm. It's really bad. But we paid for the ticket. We've got to sit through it, right? Rather than just leave. Yeah, I'm I'm out of there. By the way, right? Yeah, yeah boom. No. You don't suck. I, cu- to I the will f- cut my losses. Yeah, but the, with the with the candy or the cookies thing. It does provide value for certain people, but just short term, not long term. Mm-hmm. Long term, you're detriment. probably better off throwing out throwing out the cookies. Yeah, I'm gonna just go ahead and say it. But as far as money goes, it is a waste of money. Don't buy them. It was a waste of money right when you bought them, huh? Yeah. Horrible. Gamblers' fallacy: We think future possibilities are affected by past events. Alice has lost nine coin tosses in a row, so she's sure to win the next one. Oops. Gotta watch out for that one on the blackjack table. That's a weird one right there. I know. Because in a way, she's right. In a way. It's not, though. I know, It's a a bias. Yeah, so, You still have a 50-50 chance. Yep. Yes, you have a 50-50 chance. But it's one of those things where it's like past, present, and future kind of come into play. Mm-hmm. If you, I mean, it can if you look at it a certain way. So, okay, roulette. That's, a, that's the, the classic one, mm-hmm. right? Roulette. Oh, I can, I can win roulette. All I got to do is bet on the same thing every single time. It can't be – if I bet on black, mm-hmm. it can't be red 50 times in a row, right? Yeah. I just got to double my bet every time or whatever, mm-hmm. right, whatever my strategy is. And the thing is, there's some truth to that because the ch- probability mm-hmm. of it being red 50 times in a row, 10 times in a row is very low, mm-hmm. super low. And obviously, the more time it go- goes on, it gets lower and lower and lower. So you just keep doubling it. Yeah. Right? Well, then you got to remember that green. <laughs> right. Okay, right. Yes, it's true. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. Have yeah, you played true. roulette before? Yes, sir. There's yeah. two greens, ought and double ought. Double ought. And yeah. they throw that percentage. It ain't 50-50. Right. And that's all they need is that little right get but you that's, over the edge. But that's from roll to roll. But if you quanti- if you go the whole thing, like the actually here's here's the little here's the little <laughs> thing that you got to kind of remember or I got to remember. 
okay, the probability of it being read, let's say, 20 times in a row is 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 almost impossible. That's how small it is, mm-hmm. right? So I'm just going to bet on black and double every time. You know, I'll come out ahead. I know that or whatever, right? But here's the thing. When you break it down as far as, like, what they're talking about or whatever, just like how you said, it's 50-50 every single time you mm-hmm. do it, every single time. But when you quantify the whole thing and you go specific right. sequence of roles, now we're talking not 50-50. We're talking whatever. But here's the thing. It doesn't matter what sequence of roles you roll. It's always that same thing. Yeah. The probability of going red, black, black, red, blah, blah, in those that specific same thing, same odds. You see what I'm saying? So you're relying essentially, actually, no, but look, think about it. (laughs) You're relying not on a specific sequence. You're relying against a specific sequence. Yeah, well, the bottom line is, let's say you watch it, and they roll. it it goes red, 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 and you think, all right, Uh, chances are, and that's a fallacy. Yeah. It's a fallacy. Yes. Yeah, yeah, you're right. So from moment to moment, the chance chances don't go no, up. They don't go yeah. up. So you got to quantify the whole thing in retrospect almost to start assigning probability. Which is an impossible thing yeah, to do. Yeah, you can't make plans based off that. doesn't even make sense, that. actually. No, no, no. <laughs> it does make sense, but you just can't make plans yeah. based on something that already happened. True. In that sense. Man, how often do you tell yourself that, you know? How often does you fall victim to this one? The yeah. gamblers, oh, you know, it's been. Yeah, I'm due. It's I'm due. due. That's what they say. There's right? no way this can happen again. Oh, yes, it can. <laughs> and actually, the probability of it happening is literally the exact same as it was the last time it happened. It's kind of one of those deals. Zero risk bias. We prefer to reduce small risks to zero, even if we can reduce more risk overall with another option. Hmm. The example is that you should probably buy the warranty. <laughs> zero risk bias. We prefer to reduce small risks to zero, even if we can do, reduce more risk overall with another option. Hmm. Is that like the insurance thing? Well, that's what he's talking about. You should probably buy the warranty. Whereas if you just took that money and invested it somewhere, yeah. You'd probably be better off than buying this specific warranty for this specific thing. Yeah. People never get me on that thing. Yeah. Well, I should say hardly ever. Yeah. With cars, sometimes I buy the warranty. Yeah. Well, I think we've all experienced, well, a lot of us have experienced the benefits of having a warranty. Mm-hmm. Just like the benefits of having insurance. I've had you know? a couple warranties that have paid me off big time. Big time. Yeah. Where things went sideways. And if I would have, you know, I probably paid whatever X amount of money and made three X packs on what it would have cost to repair. Yeah. So oh, yeah. And occasionally. Think, and think about, okay, so I say the insurance thing. But I bet if you took all my warranties ever, I'm probably in, in the red. In the hole. I'm probably in the hole. <laughs> That's my guess. That's why I don't buy them anymore. The I probably haven't bought money. warranties in 10 years or something like that. Yeah. Because I just take that money and put it somewhere. Yeah. If something comes up, which it's probably not. Right? Isn't is there different types of warranties? All kinds you can of different get? types of warranties. Yeah. So kind of like house warranties, same computer thing. warranty. When you buy something on Amazon, it goes, "Do you want a warranty for this?" Yeah. And I'm like, "No." <laughs> yeah. No, it's only and depends. it's only four ninety five. Yeah. Right. Four dollars yeah. and ninety five cents. Yeah. I mean, so what? I can ship it back if something breaks. I'm gonna do that anyways. Yeah. Why am I paying you? Yeah, that's true. No, what kind of product am I buying? That's the extended. <laughs> I know, right? You kind of decredit the whole deal. Yeah. Nah, yeah. man, that's the extended warranty. 
extended. Yeah. Money, you know, you get more, more for your money. The, yeah, like, so, okay, so insurance, and there's all different kinds of insurance, by the way, medical insurance True. for yourself. But so, yeah, you kind of got to make the evaluation like, okay, bro, I don't go to the doctor at all. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. I'm paying freaking <laughs> $1,200 a month for this thing. At the end of freaking two years, when I never go to the doctor. That's a lot of money. Uh, yeah. Meanwhile, okay, what if I, you know, freaking detach my bicep or whatever, I need surgery. Yeah. And now when you think about it, I don't know if everyone knows this, maybe the FBI might come after me for this, but if you pay out of pocket for medical stuff, it's way less. Then when the insurance pays for it. Mm. So if you're like, hey, I'm just going to pay out of pocket. If I get jammed up, I'm going to pay out of pocket. You'll save money depending on your lifestyle for De- sure. Also, Well, no, not for sure. Okay. Depending because that torn bicep could have been a whatever torn shoulder, dislocated, broken this. Whatever, yeah, you know, when like, you slip down the stairs. Yeah, like exactly. This. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I guess I just said that because it was that's what was the situation I was in when when. My wife was shopping for insurance. She was like, hey, you don't go for freaking cholesterol meds or Well, this is why you get a high deductible. High deductible? And that's what, low payment or something? No, it means if you get hurt. Look, if I if I get hurt, I have to pay the first $5,000. So when you have a high deductible, it costs less. So that means a bunch of things like broke, broken toe, not, the insurance doesn't give me anything. Broken leg, insurance doesn't give me anything. Whatever. Then I get some major injury or an illness. Yeah. I got to pay the first five thousand. They got to pay the next hundred thousand dollars for treatment. Yeah, and then usually the the payments for that kind of insurance is is less. Yes. Oh, okay. Because they don't. Because if you get very low deductible, twenty dollar, hundred dollar deductible. Every time you go to the doctor, it costs more than hundred dollars. So they're always shelling out money. They don't want to do that. Yeah. So you get a very same thing with uh, with car insurance. You get a high deductible, so you pay less. Yeah. So but then you got to make sure you save that money. So if something happens, you know, if you have something catastrophic, you total your car. But you can't be, if you have a high deductible, you bend a, you bend a fender or whatever. You can't roll in there to the insurance paper because they're like, no, 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 we're not covering yeah. that. That's only four, <laughs> 1400 bucks. Yeah. You're getting nada. <laughs> <laughs> sure. If they're talking Spanish in, the, in that case. Yeah. Oh, man. That's a good thing. You just totally just freaking almost under your breath said it. But brah, this is a critical thing when you just said you gotta you gotta save that money. Yeah. All that money that you're saving on your lower payment, bro, you better be saving that money. And that in fact, that's kind of the whole jam. Really. Hundred percent. You're saving money on your insurance payment for what? Not rims. I'll tell you that. No. It's for if something else, your yep. own insurance. Yep. That's what that is, essentially. Exactly. Huh. Your own maintenance. Because if it goes super high, see, and that's the benefit. You should always do that, really. Yes. And depending on your lifestyle. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If you're a reckless driver, bumping into everything, <laughs> or a new driver, or if your health, your lifestyle health-wise is kind of on the lower level or something, then okay, the low deductible, I get it, for sure. But yeah, if you're, man, it's all making sense to me. <laughs> <laughs> and you're <laughs> telling everybody about it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm probably not the only one, is what yeah, I'm saying. Hey. See? Cool. Sarah Charles been handling that stuff in the background. Yes. Framing effect. We often draw different conclusions from the same information depending on how it's presented. Alice, example, Alice hears that her favorite candidate is killing it with 45% approval rating. Sally hears that the candidate is disappointing the country 
with a 45% rating. They have widely different interpretations based on the same statistic. Mm. Framing. Yeah. Stereotyping. We adopt generalized beliefs that members of a group will have certain characteristics despite not having information about the individual. That guy with a fancy mustache is a hipster. He probably has a vinyl collection. (laughs) (laughs) The the stereotyping and for better or worse or whatever, man, that thing. And again, I guess I'm thinking about it now that we're talking about it. I mean, it's just in my experience. (laughs) What does that even mean? Next to nothing. But nonetheless, I think that, man, those things can be surprisingly true. The stereotypes? Yeah. Well, there's no problem with saying, okay, there's a stereotype, but you can't apply it as if it's true. Because what you just said is, hey, those things can be true. Well, that's great. You know what else can be true? (laughs) A horoscope that we talked about last time. It doesn't mean that it is true. true. So it's another thing you have to be weary of. Because the minute you go and throw a label on someone because of their mustache, then you could be wrong. Yeah. And you're making assumptions that you shouldn't be making. Every once in a while I'll be driving and I'll see like a certain car that stands out mm-hmm. in, in one way or another. And you can kind of predict or yeah. you know what though? You Stereotypical. Know what? It's, it's actually not now that I think of it. Most of the time it's like when I do see the person in it, I'm like, oh, okay, that makes sense. You know, and if unless you're like fully surprised mm-hmm. with the person driving that kind of car, yeah. which is that's way more rare to be actually surprised. It's like it almost like reinforces the, the your whole bias. You yeah. know, imagine when you roll up to me in 19, 1999. Yeah. And I'm rolling deep <laughs> in the Dodge Caravan, yeah. the minivan, keeping it real. Yeah. And then you roll up and I've got the Cro-Mags kicking out the jams. <laughs> it's weird. See, that's why stereotyping, you know, you start yelling and screaming from your car and yeah. you're in a big truck. Yep. And you start yelling and screaming at my Dodge Caravan, honking. This could be a problem. Yep. You know, for you, you get out thinking you're going to go beat up some mom. <laughs> And then I get out, and I'm ready to rock and roll. Yeah, you're not a by mom. The way. No, exactly. <laughs> so that's why we got. That's why we have to be careful. The stereotyping can be true. Look, there's a high totally. percentage chance, just like yeah. roulette. There's yeah. a chance you're rolling up on a soccer mom that's gonna go. I'm sorry. Yep. Sorry, I cut you off. I won't do it again. Yeah. There's also a chance you're getting your ass beat. <laughs> <laughs> Don't stereotype people. Is does I wonder what do you think or why do you think it can be comical? When stereotypes are like, what do you call it? The opposite of, you know, like um, when stereotypes are, are, are being broken or mm-hmm. something. Like if they're being broken in an extreme way, it's always funny for some reason. Well, Not I, always, think, I, think that's just, I think that's just comedy in general. And I've heard Joe Rogan talk about like th- what makes something funny. And one thing that makes something funny is a surprise. Yeah. So when the stereotype is broken, it's a surprise. Yeah. So that's why it's funny me getting out of the 90, oh, 97 yeah. Dodge Grand Caravan. That is funny. It's yeah. kind of funny. Unless you were the one that was honking and screaming at me. Then it's not funny. <laughs> then you're just bummed. <laughs> yeah. Hey, yes, we. The opposite of funny. When was that? I was going to a jiu-jitsu tournament. And a guy. This are all kinds of stereotypes involved here. Okay, so the one guy was in like a brand new like a brand new SUV thing. Sure. You know, a Mercedes or something. 
and there's another guy in like a Toyota Camry, just generic stereotype. And meanwhile, I'm with, I think I'm with Ryan and like Ryan, who? Ryan, yeah. Ryan and like Chance or maybe Greg Train even. I don't really remember, but, and we're in one of, we might have been in Mike, but we were in just kind of a nondescript car. Anyways, long story short, it was a total stereotype situation because the Dodge Cam- or the Camry, the Toyota Camry, somehow interfered with or made contact with this real nice SUV. Mm. And this guy gets out of the SUV and he's just stereotypical, just SUV. So Southern California <laughs> SUV <laughs> driver. He's got, yeah, I mean, no kidding. He he's one of those business guys, and he had suspenders like uh, you know what up. I mean, yeah. uh, a tie, a a shirt, <laughs> slacks, oh yes, sir. dress shoes, and he had suspenders. And he gets out and he goes marching over to this Camry. And in the Camry, it's a dude with a with his you know thirteen year old daughter. And he's yelling and screaming. The, the the SUV guys yelling and screaming, and so I get out because I think you know maybe something's going to happen to this freaking poor guy in the Camry who's just trying to drive his daughter to freaking whatever. Mm. And this guy's going all mental because he got his Mercedes scratched. Mm. Anyways, here's the outcome. When when we walked over, and I forget who walked with me, but the guy immediately got real. The guy who's yelling and screaming. Suspenders? Yeah, suspender dude. He immediately got real humble and like all of a sudden a lot more mellow. Mm-hmm. And then I just, speaking of insurance, I just gave the guy in the Camry my phone. I wrote it down. I go, here's my phone number. I go, call me. Have the insurance people call me. And the insurance people called me and I said that, I told him what happened, which was that the guy with the guy with the SUV was at fault, mm-hmm. but he was yelling and screaming. Anyways, the stereotypes were all true. Right, mm. the guy in the Camry was just a family dude, just right. trying to take his daughter to whatever practice. The dude in the SUV was a douchebag wearing suspenders, <laughs> <laughs> and I guess we were not stereotypical. I guess we are stereo- we were stereotypical jujitsu guys in some crappy car heading to a tournament <laughs> in Long Beach. <laughs> in Long Beach, yes. Uh, check. Watch your stereotypes. Outgroup homogeneity bias. We perceive outgroup members as homogenous and our own in-groups as more diverse. Alice is not a gamer, but she le- but she believes all gamers are the same. Oh, sorry, Alice is not a gamer, but she believes all gamers are the same. Oh, that's true. When you look at something from the outside, you, know, you think those jujitsu guys are all, all the, the same. same. Yeah. And of course, in jiu-jitsu, no, man, we're all kinds yeah, of Yeah, all different. Everyone does jujitsu. Oh, yeah. Authority bias. We trust and are more often influenced by the uh, the opinions of authority figures. Yep. My teacher told me this was fine. Yeah. That's the um, another argument, way of arguing, right? What is it, a claim to authority? Oh, yeah, appeal to authority. Appeal to authority, yeah. Yeah, man, that's weird. Well, the New York Times said that. <laughs> yep. Or the scientist guy, whoever. Yeah, the scientist guy. I have... And tell me if you have this too, or even an inkling of this. So I, I have this thing where if someone's older than me, even by one year, mm-hmm. like I feel like they have some authority. No, I don't. Not feel at that. all. No. But here's inversely. And here, 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 let me let me let me expand on that because this is actually interesting. Doesn't matter how old they are. I actually think mm, this person probably has something, knows something I don't know. 
Yeah. I'm giving everyone authority. Yeah. How and that's, like that? Yeah, that's, uh, you know, seems like that's a good thing. But it, um, it, yeah, I feel like it, it's unwarranted. Like, okay, so if I don't know that they're older mm-hmm. or younger or whatever, like it, it's, it's non-existent. It's mm-hmm. a non-existent thing. But for whatever reason, if I find out they're older, I'll be like, I feel it like on an emotional level, like, okay. Like, you know, like I'm a little bit yeah, yeah, yeah. subordinate a little bit. But, and at the same time, if I find out they're younger, I feel like they're a little bit subordinate. Mm, not in any significant way. bias no. coming at you strong. <laughs> Age bias. Not in any significant way where I'm going to behave different or mm. even feel different but as far as there. them. I feel like it's there. Mm. And it, it, it maybe it's because on Kauai, there's like a thing, like mm. respect your elders. Yeah, and yeah, they, for they, sure. they have all the knowledge and whatever. <laughs> whatever. Maybe it's that. I don't know. But I've always felt that. Yeah. Even in school, even like, yeah, if I find out someone's like one year yeah. younger than me. Yeah, in the teams, in the teams, sure, yeah. that when I got to the teams, it's a real big deal. Like that guy's, that guy's done this many deployments. You need to listen to him. Mm. Eventually, I realized that that's a good stereotype. Hey, this person's done a lot of deployments. I should listen to him. I also realized that it's just a stereotype mm. and that there's plenty of guys that did plenty of deployments that were knuckleheads. Yeah. And so, therefore, I try and judge people based on actually getting to know them and understanding them. And I don't just just blanket give people authority because they have experience. Even if somebody have experience or something. But like I said, if I talk to a purple belt, yeah. I'm, I'm assuming that they have. If I talk to a white, white belt, mm-hmm. I'm assuming that they have something that I can benefit from, right? That I can yeah. learn from. If I talk to a black belt, I realize I can also learn from them. I also realize that both the white belt and the black belt might be knuckleheads. Yeah. But do you, are you to the point where that's just naturally the trigger? Like, or when you're, tra- like you're triggered to think that way right off the bat? I think that's the way. I think now, and I think I learned it. Like you said, you asked me on one of the other podcasts about like, oh, is this just how you are? I think it's just from experience. Right. I've had enough people that were knuckleheads that were black belts. I've yeah. known enough people that were knuckleheads that were in the SEAL teams that did 12 deployments and they were idiots. Yeah. It's okay. But I'm not saying they're bad. I'm saying, well, I shouldn't say idiots. There are idiots. But a lot of them, hey, they might have done a lot of deployments, but they didn't actually understand tactics. They didn't understand leadership. That's okay. Nothing against them. But I have to realize that. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like uh, same same deal. I feel like I'm pretty good. My awareness of these biases, all of them, I feel like I do pretty good at. Yeah. I do pretty good at. My yeah, awareness. Yeah, I could see that. But what I mean is like, okay, for me with the age thing, mm-hmm. that's like, I feel like that's like a primal part of my brain or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, I think I'm with you on that where I know that that's not the case. So I don't behave according to that. Yeah. But I do. It is still a tr- primal thing in there that I do yep. feel. Yep. That's just it's what it is. It is what it is. Yeah. You have a bias. You yeah. have an age bias. Older than you, your bias is. I should listen to them. Younger than you, biases, they should listen to me. Yeah. You don't let it drive you, but it's right. there. That's yeah. that's exactly what biases are. My mind goes back to like school time mm-hmm. where it's like, oh, when I was back in seventh grade, oh, you were just a sixth grader back then, you know? Mm-hmm. You can take your lunch money or something. <laughs> Not that I've ever taken anyone's lunch, but I'm just saying that's kind of the, the thought, Check. the feeling, whatever. Um, placebo effect. We believe a treatment will work. It it often 
or sorry, if we believe a treatment will work, it will often have a small psychological effect. Alice was given a placebo for her pain, and her pain decreased. Yep. It's a real thing, though. Well, yeah. You can't count it out. Yeah, that's You should a actually up. say, like, oh, it's good. Yeah. That's a straight-up medical thing. Like, they use that yeah, yeah, yeah. in, you know. Yeah, man. Wait, they actually use it? they like, hey, you know what? Give Echo the sugar pill and tell him it's going to help him with his whatever. There you go, Echo. This is going to help you with your headaches. And you take it, and you're like, oh, yeah, I feel better. They, yeah. Do they actually do that to no, that level? No, oh, or they I just account I don't for know. it? I, no, yeah, they account for it, meaning like when they test stuff, right, that's right, what right. they test it against. I know that they against. account for it there, but I didn't know if someone was actually prescribing stuff for its placebo effect. Yeah, I don't know of any medical establishment doing that, but I know some supplement companies can do that stuff <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> Bro, back in the day, I don't know if they're doing it now, yeah. but man, back in the day, there was, oh, man, I don't even want to try to say who it was because right. what if I'm wrong and it's right. the thing. But this was this is a long time ago, like 90s, mm-hmm. where that's straight up what they were selling. Like there, it was like some chalk mixed in there and some little <laughs> bit of sugar and like for it, it was like a lot of BS in there. Dang. And boom, they were selling straight up selling. That's just how you know, freaking placebo effect doing its work. No, the the test when they say like placebo studied, you know, like double blind placebo or whatever, they test it against the placebo and then they factor in the placebo effect with the study. Yes, I agree with that. I mean, I know that. I know that happens. Yeah, but again, I don't I don't know if there's up. anybody that that straight up like I said, you come to me, I'm the doctor. I oh, say, no, no, okay, no, no, you know I, what? I got you. I got you, Echo Charles. Here, take these pills right here. No, no, that's and not you what start I meant. Taking no. That would which, be pretty which, psycho. It would be psycho, but it could actually help, yeah. right? Yeah. It, yeah. They say that yeah. it actually does have an impact. Yeah. <clears throat> Survivorship bias. We already talked about this one. We tend to focus on those things that survived the process and overlook the ones that failed. All kinds of examples of this. You see the, the big... Uh, uh, successful business owners and you don't realize how many people started a business and failed yeah so you got to be careful that one tachypsychia our perceptions of time shift depending on trauma drug use and physical exertion when the car almost hit me time slowed down this is the one I've experienced before where time slowed down during stressful situations mm-hmm. the very first time I remember it and I've had it probably I don't know how many times I've had it but the very first time I remember it I was fast roping do you know what fast roping is mm-hmm. I was fast roping out of a helicopter onto the deck of a ship at night on a real mission mm-hmm. and it was it was every everything was in slow motion and I was like oh this is cool Dude. and I remember being cognizant of it I was yeah. like oh this is cool this is everything slowing down yeah. and I got to kind of enjoy the experience yeah, and this was back in the day pre 9-11 when we weren't doing a bunch of operations So it was pretty cool yeah. That is that's kind of rare where you can like actually Enjoy it enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. Usually it's kind of incidental. Yeah, I, I think it's cuz imagine I had fast roped thousands of times and mm-hmm. done these type of training operations so much mm-hmm. That I was used to it. So it's kind of like oh, this is cool. It yeah. wasn't like the first time I ever fast roped or the, because if the first time you ever fast roped and things slowed down, mm-hmm. you know, you'd be like, you wouldn't even be able to enjoy it. But yeah. I got to enjoy it. It's 
weird. I'd feel it in jujitsu tournaments right at the beginning mm. when the guy says fight or whatever. Like right there at the beginning, it's like oh the 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 transition from it not being on to the transition uh or to the point of it being on mm-hmm. like not fighting versus now we're fighting right now for some reason that would like slow down just that mm-hmm. split second check law of triviality and this is also known as bike shedding hmm. we give disproportionate weight to trivial issues often avoiding more complex issues and it says here oh this is why it's called bike shedding This is a shed as in a shed that you could put a bike into. Rather than figuring out how to help the homeless, a local city government spends a lot of time discussing putting in a bike path and bike sheds. (laughs) Yeah. You know, this is, I've talked about this one a lot, is just knowing what's important and what's not. Yeah. And, and, And so many people, I see them running around worried about the bike sheds. Yeah. And it's like, man, the bike sheds don't matter. You got bigger problems. We got bigger problems. You got bigger problems. Don't worry about the bike sheds. Yeah. Shitting. Interesting. This one's called the Ziegernick. Ziegernick effect. We remember incomplete tasks more than completed ones. Greg feels guilty for never getting anything done until he sees all of the tasks he's checked off on his task list. That's that, to me. That's a good one. Yeah. It's good that you remember the things you haven't gotten done yet, yeah. right? Yeah. Because now you can get them so. done. Yeah. I think maybe you should incorporate that one a lot. Me, Echo no. Charles. <laughs> IKEA effect. We place higher value on things we partially created ourselves. Because when you build that Ikea thing, then you kind of feel proud of it. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is an important one because you've heard me talk about this. is If Echo comes up with a plan, it's more valuable mm-hmm. to, to Echo. Yeah. And if I come up with a plan, it's more valuable to me. Or if I put the, some effort into getting something done, it's more important. Right. So you always have to take that into account. Because yeah. when, when Echo comes to me, hey, man, I made this video. And you put all this time and effort into it, and it sucks. If I go, yeah, well, you know what? This video sucks. That's not a good move to do. That's not a good thing for me to say because yeah. you've invested so much into it. It means a lot to you. Mm. If I go, yeah, yeah, I don't know if now's the time to release it because mm-hmm. people, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so Ikea effect, that's a good one. Ben Franklin effect. We like doing favors. We are more likely to do another favor for someone if we've already done a favor for them if we had received a favor from that person. We like doing favors. We are more likely to do another favor for someone if we've already done a favor for them than if we had received a favor from that person. That's kind of weird, right? Yeah. The example is, Greg loaned Francis a pen. When Francis asked to borrow $5, Greg did it readily. Yeah, actually it kind of does when you think about it in that, in that, I mean, that example clarified it a little bit. Because it's kind of like, okay, so this in college, this when I first went to college, I was a freshman, mm-hmm. and we, we, everyone has like, not everyone, but you have a moped, either you walk to class or mm-hmm. around campus or they have mopeds. Mm-hmm. So not everyone had a moped. Mm-hmm. Only maybe one out of maybe 10 people had a moped. Mm-hmm. So the one, two, five guys 
10 guys on the team who had mopeds, like everyone else is always asking them to borrow the moped. Mm-hmm. So I remember asking this guy um, to borrow his moped one time. Mm-hmm. And he, he and he said yes. So I'm cool. Now in my mind, oh, I can ask him again. Mm-hmm. He's, he's kind of established, to me, he established himself as a moped lender, essentially. And, and I guess there's some sort of pattern because you returned the moped. It was in good shape. You didn't drain all the gas out or whatever. And yeah. so he's kind of a little bit more down. You're a little bit more trusted, but I, th- that's, that seems I, a little bit different than this right. whole idea, though. No, the way I thought of it was less about how I treated his moped, even though it was cool. I tried to be, I think, <laughs> I remember, but he. Um, I feel like now if I ask him, he's going to feel a little bit obligated. It's almost like a feeling oh, of obligation because yeah. it's like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. what's different now? You're yeah. telling me no now. You just let me use it yeah. that last week or whatever. Now all it's of a weird. sudden, you're looking at this bias from the borrower's perspective as opposed to the lender's perspective. But but it but it can well, transfer, th- right? Yeah, that's well, yeah. that's what I thought he might have been thinking. Mm-hmm. Now that I'm thinking of it, where because he did one time say like I'm not letting anyone borrow my moped anymore, and I felt like that was hard for him to let me know that. Because he had already <laughs> let me borrow it a few times, you know. Rather than if he would have said out the gate, I, no, I don't let anyone borrow my yeah, moped, yeah. which a lot of people do, by the way. Yeah. They say no, and they're like, okay, that's not a guy who lets people borrow his moped, and that's no factor. But once you're established as a guy who lets people borrow, and then all of a sudden you're not, it's kind of like everyone's all mad. And as a lender of mopeds, <laughs> you, you might feel that pressure. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So I think that might be where the root or, or one of the examples, you know. Ben Franklin effect. Next one, bystander effect. The more other people are around, the less likely we are to help a victim. In a crowd of students, no one called 911 when someone got hurt in a fight. That's why you're always supposed to call someone out. You, go call 911. Call an individual. Mm -hmm. Suggestibility. We, especially children, sometimes mistake ideas suggested by a questioner for memories. So did you fall off the couch before or after your mom hit you? Yeah, these are really weird when people start influencing, especially kids, and you're questioning them a certain way, and you're giving them these little unseen positive feedback things, and it just turns into really, those can be really horrible situations. Yeah, some of the, we're getting into these memory ones now. False memory. We mistake imagination for real memories. Greg is certain Sally said a really funny joke about pineapples when that joke actually came from a TV show. Isn't that weird yeah. that your memory actually can do that? Yeah. Your memory can actually be different. And I've, Leif and I have this one situation we were in where he and I remember something different. And it's not, there's no benefit to either one of us with either one of our stories. We just remember t- and it's the exact same moment in time, and we both just remember something different. And it's so weird. It's weird. And you know, we don't, we don't, you always have like, oh, something happens on a mission, and some person remembers it one way, and some person remembers it another way. And it's kind of part of their perception and everything. Mm-hmm. But this was he and I standing together at the exact same moment, remembering that we remember two different things, you yeah. know? So that's, that's bizarre. Yeah. Do you ever, yeah, have you ever, remembered a straight up experience that you had but then found out wait you didn't have that experience it was someone else you saw someone else have it i don't know i don't think so did that happen to you yeah but you know what right now i'm free and i was just thinking about it like three (laughs) days ago but it was like super long time ago but i'm thinking wait did i do that Mm. or did did i see someone else do that well this is the weird memory 
lapse that I have is when I joined the Navy, I left home and I never went back, kind of. Yeah. And so people from my neighborhood, they would tell me stories about me and I'd be like, oh yeah. And I don't remember it at all. It's really sad actually. I yeah. wouldn't remember it at all. And the reason is because they see the, let's say they were talking about me you know, running up a hill on the soccer field. Yeah. And I see they see that soccer field every day or whatever. Three yeah. times a week they see that soccer hill and they go, I remember Jocko running up that thing. Right. And I don't see that thing. Yeah. Never saw that soccer hill. I haven't seen it in 10 years, 15 years. So that memory has faded and now it's gone. Yeah. It's pretty sad. Yeah, but you know, kind of necessary, right? I, I mean, you're gonna hold every little teeny tiny memory, but yeah, it, it can be sad when you see a what person. What if there was good memories in there? Like, not a, not just good memory, like, oh, that was a good time. But what if there's meaningful things that I learned that now I don't have anymore? Um. Well, I guess it depends on what you mean by meaningful. But if they were meaningful that you still need or will use, they'll still be there, typically. I would Ooh, think. That's a real bias you got there towards that. <laughs> <laughs> There's a difference between that and um, and straight up remembering it differently. Mm. Meaning yeah, yeah, you're yeah. literally having memories of something that did not happen. No, that's that is that is very strange. Yeah, that is very strange. And it's weird too. Like, how can you ask me about remembering something that I did that I didn't really do? Because I, in my mind, I did it. Yeah. Right. Yep. Freaking weird. Man. Getting in the weird zone. You ever, uh, you ever watched the movie Memento? <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's yeah. a good, good one movie. right there. Good and movie. he says some good stuff if you listen to what he's saying or whatever. He's I haven't like, watched it in a long time, so I can't really remember it that well, well, well unfortunately, because it didn't go. have meaningful memory for me. I remember it being cool. Yeah, very cool. But I can't even draw on it. That's what I'm saying. That kind of sucks because I can't draw on something that could be, it could be a good thing for me to bring out at this particular time and I can't do it yeah well depends on what you mean by good but yeah man uh so I'm real nonchalant you know attitude about these <laughs> memories disappearing because for I, me memory, happens, for, for me memories are knowledge right for me when I remember something and here's what's weird is when I'm thinking about things in the world mm -hmm. I'm always putting them in the context of things that I've lived through so and I mean yeah, guys that's what everyone does yeah. But sometimes I go deep to find that context. And so now I'm looking to put context around something and it's not there anymore. Yeah. To me, that's a bummer. Yeah, I can see how you could think that that's a bummer for sure. And I understand. <laughs> and I'm not being that guy for real think that. But I think your brain kind of filters out stuff that it doesn't use, right? So I guess... Yeah, if you're going like maybe next level sophistication, yeah. where you want to, I, I guess I want to be a little bit of a mental hoarder and yeah. keep all those memories, even if I am not going to use them, or maybe I don't. Hey, use it or lose it. That's what I'm saying, brother. Um, the on Memento, he said something. It, I mean, it was significant because they left it in the script, obviously. Mm -hmm. But he's talking to um, Teddy, mm -hmm. Edward Gamble. A.K.A. Edward Gamble. Um, he was just a guy there. Anyway, long story. But anyway, he's like, he's like, you can't trust your little investigation on your little pictures and notes and tattoos or whatever you're doing. And he's like, he's like, why? And he's like, because they're unreliable. He's like, no, memories are unreliable. Like memories, mm -hmm. like, you know, memories aren't reliable. Memory is not even that good. Mm -hmm. Exact words, by the yeah, way. Yeah, true. 
Um, memory is not even that good. It can change the shape of a building. It can change the color of a car. It can change like all this stuff. All your, It can make things, and now I'm going off script a little bit, but it can make you experience things that you really didn't experience. It's like kind of junk, really, mm-hmm. memory. It's kind of junk. Yeah, that's true. It's scary. Yep. Um, another one, cryptonesia. We mistake real memories for imagination. So that's the opposite of what we just said. So you got false memory and you got cryptonesia where you mistake real memories for imagination. Greg thinks he visited a graveyard, but he's pretty sure it's just had a spooky dream. Yeah, clustering illusion. We find patterns and clusters in random data. That cloud looks like your cat, Alice. Yeah, people find patterns. This is a conspiracy, right? Conspiracy theories wrap themselves around this one. Mm -hmm. Pessimism bias. We sometimes overestimate the likelihood of a bad outcome. Nothing will ever get better. And then the opposite of that, optimism bias. We sometimes are over-optimistic about good outcomes. It's gonna turn out great. Mm -hmm. I think, again, this is these I recognize I kind of recognize these I think I think a lot of the reason that I wanted to talk about these things Well number one because we've talked about them a lot on the podcast, but also if you're just aware of them mm-hmm. If you're just aware of them, you can do such a much better job Dealing with them and, and handling them appropriately than if you aren't aware of them If you aren't aware of them and you just are one of these people. Oh, everything's gonna be fine. Everything's gonna be fine. Everything's gonna be fine yeah. Yeah, Explosion <laughs> Yes. Or nothing's going to work. Everything sucks. Nothing's going to work. Nothing's going to work. This is going to turn out good. It's like, so you don't try it, right? Yeah. So you have to be aware of these biases so that you can, like I said, you can handle them correctly. Mm. You can deal with them correctly. Last one from this particular list is the blind spot bias. We don't think we have a bias and we see it in others more than ourselves. And the quote is, I'm not biased. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so that's a scary thing and I think that's ego once again ego coming into play where you think you're uh, you think you're a little bit better yeah. so there's a bunch of biases and by the way there's a list there, but the list of biases goes on and on maybe at some point we'll dig into some more <sighs> anything else you've heard deja vu deja vu what about it is that a bias I don't know I have no idea but you say you have had it. I guess everyone. I have had it. it. Yes. Yeah. Well, I've I had some weird is. deja vus too, where I've been like, "Wow." Yeah. But what? Like, what do you think that is? I don't know. Because I don't know, right? I mean, I tried to look it up on Google. Mm-hmm. But everyone. But you like, can't remember because it's accessible. <laughs> Not available. No, because like, cause you know, well, is there? Okay, so tell me this. I have this. Tell me if you have this too. Where I'll have like two kinds of deja vu. Where one is like, oh, I'm doing this again, the typical one. Then the other one is kind of like, oh, I just had a dream of this. Like literally, I I re- almost like can remember the dream itself, but it just feels like I had this in a dream. Yeah, I've had both kinds of deja. Well, to me, the two de- type of deja vu. One is like, oh yeah, I'm just doing this again. Put my gi on, right? No, here we go again. Put my gi on, right? But there's another kind of deja vu. That kind of deja vu is not even barely deja vu. I don't think it is. It doesn't really hit me. Yeah. I mean, I might have it in a certain 
Well, you know, if I was to go to a certain gym that I hadn't been to in a long time, ah, oh, here I am putting this gear. Like yeah, that's a, that's that, right. That is a almost like a nostalgic. Yeah, yeah, deja that's, vu. that's not a. Deja but vu. I've also had deja vu where I've been like, wait a second, this yeah. is weird because I feel like I've walked down this hallway before yeah, and had this thought yeah. and all the yeah and the I mean the way one of the ways you can distinguish those two is the real deja vu. You lose it like when you try like. 10, 20 seconds later, oh, when you think gone. back on it, you're like, oh, wait, no, I don't feel that anymore about that It's incident. a glitch in the matrix, a, right? That's kind of yeah. the, the deal. I mean, that's what they said for sure. Um, but yeah, the nostalgic one, I get that for sure, but that's not a that's not deja vu. It's weird because deja vu is almost like this weird wave mm-hmm. that you kind of catch and you're riding on that wave of like, oh my gosh, I'm doing this. I'm having this exact thought and feeling about this whole scenario and I'm experiencing the same thing. And then you're off the wave. And now that that gone. part of the wave is just gone, yeah, mm-hmm. it's weird. But I don't know what that is. Yeah, well, maybe we'll have to dig into that. Anyways, well, um, I think that's good for today. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for supporting the cause on the underground. And of course, if you want to give a, a, some other form of support, you can go to jockofuel.com, get some supplements. You can go to originmain.com and get some gear. You can. Also get some gear from JockoStore.com. Bunch of books I've written. You can check out those. And I have a leadership consulting company. If you're interested, go to echelonfront.com. And on the interwebs, if you want to interact with us, Echo is at Echo Charles, and I am at Jocko Willink. And if you want to ask questions specifically for the underground, what do you email, Echo Charles? Questions at JockoUnderground.com. Questions at JockoUnderground.com. That's the... It's the thinned out question box for asking questions. Thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Appreciate you joining us in the underground. And until next time, this is Echo and Jocko. Out.